taking an unconventional look at stocks, property, bonds, economics, and more. This is the Total Money Management Podcast with Steve Moriarty, Tom Hill, and Jacob Senior. Hey guys, welcome back to the uh, Total Money Management Podcast. Uh, Tom and Steve are still here, so I haven't got rid of them yet, but how you doing, gents? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. Look, we're changing in a little bit. We're going to be talking more about current events. We've spent the last, feels like six months, talking about principles, core concepts of investing, real areas that we believe people should learn and look into and we've had some f- general consensus feedback really from the from the viewers or listeners on um, more current events so that's what we're going to do today we'll talk about a review 2023 we'll talk about what we think's um, going to happen or not going to happen in 2024 and uh, yeah i might hand over to steve tom if you want to take over yeah, thanks, mate. Um, yeah, what we want to do is just give people a framework to look at current events in. The reason why is because as if you've been listening to us from the start, you'll probably understand that the world is changing quite rapidly uh, from the way it's been for the last 30 to 40 years. And so you have to toss out your old way of thinking because there's a new sort of paradigm. And so what we're going to do is what we, what we do through for the subscribers is look at current events, but it's no good just reading something and going, oh, that's interesting. What you want to do is be able to put it into a framework where you go, okay, that confirms the thesis on demographics or COVID or deglobalization and stuff. So that's the the general idea. And in this first one, we're going to be talking about predictions and stuff. So um, Tom, got any? (laughs) Notice anything? What did you notice in 2023? Oh, look, um, I was actually just reflecting on this the other day. And I think it was the first time I kind of understood inflation. Obviously, a fair bit younger than you. So <laughs> Just a little bit, mate. Yeah, <laughs> Not I mean, a fair bit. <laughs> it, it's been kind of a concept, right? Like, for me anyway. Uh, last year, really felt it. Like, cost of living seems to have gone through the roof. It was, you know, the first time I'd really started looking at, at houses as well. And, you know, mm-hmm. when, you, when you're talking to the banks about what you can borrow, yeah. that's when it starts to hit home. Mm. Like these interest rate rises are having a real impact. And honestly, I was just sitting there scratching my head a little bit going, well, for those who aren't in the market already, how do they get in? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 you think of the Sydney property as about 1.4 million yeah. is the average, then you've got to have basically 300, 350,000 as a 20%. Now, most, you know, some people can get 10 and stuff like that but the reality is that that if you get a 10 percent deposit well it just means you've got to borrow more anyway so you're you're on the hook but you sort of think about it and you think god that's you know 300 grand in cash you think if you're saving 30 grand a year which most people wouldn't be that's like 10 years by the time you get to 300 the price has gone to 2.5 billion what's the average or medium wedge in australia like 65 grand when you you take out the outliers yeah the average is 95 but the median is about 60 Yeah. yeah and so if you put two people together say 120 throw in a few benefits 130 I mean, you know, who can save 30 you might, grand you might, get a, you might get a shed in about 10 <laughs> years. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, I was chatting to a broker the other day, and he goes, look, for someone who's on about 200 grand, yep. um, the banks will probably lend them about 650,000. Yeah. And you look Which around. Which is not much, really, is it? Well, not really. Well, you're not going to uh, get much of a house. You might get a three-bed out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, you know, how much you spend on day-to-day living all affects the serviceability as well. Anyway, that, w- that was did, one of the things that I've... Did you adjust your spending 
did you sort of did did you at some point go oh I'm gonna skip the corn chips or the coffee or you know like definitely didn't skip the corn chips <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey <laughs> um, no right in fact probably spent more right this year but what but but why because because I mean you earn a good income right it's fair to say you're doing all right so is the did you think this is a real this is a real shock. But, oh, well, who cares? I'm going to buy three coffees a day like I do anyway. You know, seriously. Is that 100%. What? Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. Like, I wasn't happy about it, but I wasn't going to change right. what I'm doing. Yep, yep. And I don't think I'm the only one. No, no, no. Well, look at the, you know, if you look at the stats in terms of, everyone always talks about restaurants are fallen, blah, blah, blah. Oh, that's interesting. What about you, Jacob? Well, we're just, we're just looking at consumer discretionary spending. And I remember, I might have mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but the treasurer has I mean there's there's stats there's stats out now saying that consumer discretionary spending in Australia is kinda of maintained. It's dropped a little bit but it hasn't gone nowhere. So that explains why Tommy goes and buys his three coffees a day and his corn chips because people are saving elsewhere. I mean, he might not be going on holiday this year or two holidays a year, yeah. but they're still wanting to live a lavish, somewhat lavish lifestyle. As well as that, mortgage repayments, bills are being paid, and all the uh, all, all the main things are being covered. What I what we've already spoken about over the last few months is that there will probably be an end to that, the discretionary spending side of things. But we don't we just don't know when. So if we have a few more interest rate uh, interest rate hikes, yep, then we might start and people obviously going from a fixed interest mortgage to a flexible interest mortgage now going up to six seven percent variables. Yeah, variable. We, we might actually we might actually start to see that discretionary spending come off and we'll go into a bit of a, not depression, but a semi-depression over the next few years. Yeah. Well. Because of that. Yeah, well, that was that was one of the things about the, the predictions for 2023. What I like to do is at the start of every year now is go back and look at what people were saying at the start of last year or the start of 2022 because one thing you notice at the moment is Every this time of year, everyone comes out with predictions, mm. right? You know, what do you think is going to happen in 2024? The thing that always amazes me and I always harp on about this, and you guys know it's coming, is you listen to experts, right? They all say, oh, yeah, you know, market will go up 8 to 10% this year, right? Now, that's the long-term average, right? Not the geometric average, mm. but the arithmetic average. But my point being is no one ever says, yeah, yeah, 30%. It's going to absolutely kill it. Right mm. or no one says, yeah, I'm expecting a a twenty percent decline. Right, everybody in the mainstream says exactly the same thing, which is always they end up around seven or ten percent. Mm. Right, but my point being, you go back and look at what they said in 2023, which was sell U.S. stocks, U.S. economy is going to tank, China is and buy China stocks, and exactly the opposite happened. But what you find is that no one actually goes, oh, Jesus, I got all that wrong. Oh, I had a shocking prediction last year. No one talks about it. Everyone just goes, yeah, this year will be 7 to 10% and here's why, blah, blah, blah. It's like, hang on. The interviewer should say, mate, it was terrible last year. You got it completely wrong. Why should we listen to you this year? And yet everybody's going to go out and go, oh, yeah, okay, I can expect 7 to 10%. Yeah, well, yeah. markets go up, what, 70% of the time, so it's safe. Well, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're already on a winner if you go, I think the market will go up. I'm not sure how much, but I think it'll go up. Most people go, oh, that's oh, good. He's an expert. Yeah, and like you say, they, it goes up most of the time, so it's not exactly I'm like... 70% sure that it'll go up. <laughs> uh, well, I was wondering, how many times has the market actually delivered an average return of 8%? 
about, well, from memory, it, uh, now, this is in the US, but it's something like six years out of the last 85. So, in other words... Not often. Not often. Mm, yeah. and, th- and that's my point. Might, I, might I, do 2%, might do 20%. Exactly. And, and that, I'll tell you a little story. And I read this uh, ages ago. There was this young guy and his dad, right? And they're in the finance industry and they're at this finance dinner. And the, the, the MC says, you know, whoever can guess what's going to happen to the market tomorrow, you get a, you know, free chook or a free dinner or something, right? And so everyone's got to put in their, you know, write on a paper, uh, piece of sl- paper, you know, it'll go up 0.5, it'll go down 0.2 or that sort of stuff, right? So the young guy finds out, they, they do the draw, right, and the old man wins, right? And the old man, the market goes down 0.25 or something, right, which in standard terms is like a one in, you know, 100 event. And the, the young kid says to his old man, you know, like, how did you know it was going to go down like, you know, 0.25? And he said, I didn't. And he said, I knew everyone else was going to be going, oh, 0.4, you know, 0.38. So I just took an outlier, because he was going to end up being closest if he said plus three or minus three, and he just went with minus three. Mm. So my point being that these all these predictions, when you look at the statistical distribution of the market, everyone's just playing it safe. Yeah, like you're taking a guess. Yeah, yeah, but they're also taking they're taking a guess knowing that seven out of ten times they're going to be right anyway. Yeah, no one's going to come asking questions if you said it's going to go up ten percent and it goes up eleven percent or it goes up eight percent. So as long as it goes up by the end of the year, uh, yep. yeah, it's, it's interesting. But for me, 2023 was, I think I said this before the podcast started, like it was a year of war. People were at each other's throats. Yeah, we yeah. had Russia, we had Ukraine, we had Israel in Hamas. It yep. was all just going tits up. Um, we've had China housing collapse with Evergrande going bankrupt. It's, it's been awful yet. The market's risen. Just, keep, <laughs> just keeps plodding along. Hallelujah, brother. And I mean, you got to love rationality. Oh, it's, it's insane, isn't it? But, I mean, it, it begs the question, has all the war fed into the increase in, in stock prices? Yeah, probably. I think that thing, the, the thing about the US, everybody said the US would go in, not everybody, Lots of people said the US would go into recession Mm. in 2023. Now, the reason was because the yield curve had inverted. And the argument is once the yield curve inverts, which means that, well, bond yields are going to be lower, therefore the economy is going to sink, right, didn't play out. And that's one of the reasons why I say we're in a new paradigm because what the American, a lot of the the people think is or didn't account for what's the huge increase in government spending. If you look at it, it's something like 6% of GDP. Now, US GDP is about 25, I think 25 trillion. When you do 6% of that and you put it into the market, which hasn't been done for a long time, you forget how powerful it is. And with interest rates up at 5%, lots of pe- lots of rich people got even more money because they were getting 5% on bonds, right? Mm. Whereas we've been used to 1%, which is, you know, basically nothing, mm. right? So from that point of view, that's why I'm saying you've got to look at the world differently because we're in a new we're in a new ball game. Yeah, I think heavily it was obviously, I magnif- mag- can't even say it, Magnificent Seven. Yes, Um carried the market a bit as well in in 2023 i'm not so sure that's going to continue to to be the case because it can't nothing can keep flying forever yeah absolutely you know like that was in a way to be expected right because 2022 
They all did horribly. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, too. Well, too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what what did well, Apple was down 30% in 2022 and up 30% in 2023. So oh, I think it was net. down 30, up 60 or something. Yeah. They're, so. they're just, but it isn't funny because when you look at that, when you look at crypto or NFTs or the Magnificent Seven, what you're seeing is this. This I, you know, the idea is the market sort of normally distributed, which means you know it's fairly even. Mm. But what what you see now because of technology and stuff, particularly being able to you know buy and sell at the click, is you get you get this mad rush into like the the top seven stocks, mm. right? Everybody gets into the top seven, and it does really well. And then, like you say, Jacob, I wouldn't be putting my money on them this year because they've had such a spectacular year. At some point, it'll flip. Well, it's funny uh, you you were whispering well too in my ear then. But it it is right. Like at the beginning of 2022, they'd had such a terrible year. They were the bottom three of the sector. They They were the top picks almost for well too now they're at the top they've got an absolute boomer so we're not going to be they're not this they're not the top picks for this year yeah yeah because there's another bottom three that have um uh, excellent energy yeah uh, that that we it's just about that agile investor mentality we're like okay we've we've had a big win we know that the u.s capes at 32 and and probably going to increase again this year so let's have a look at what's what's actually cheap and what's got a decent yield absolutely my my only uh, i i had a look during the week, and the, the screaming non-financial advice by <laughs> is is energy. Energy looks really, really cheap. There's a few, you know, emerging markets look really good. Small caps look really good because they've all been absolutely hammered mm. compared to the the S and P, and and particularly the Nasdaq. You know, like it's just gone absolutely nuts. Well, I'm looking at the um. The ASX 200 chart now, and yeah. obviously since the start of November, it's gone up 13%. Everyone's stoked. But when you look at the chart, like we have been at this same level five times since the end of 2021. So we haven't broken new highs. So we haven't gone anywhere sort of thing. Well, depending where you bought it, right? Yeah, yeah. So if, if you had, for some reason, put all your money in at the end of 2021, uh, you would have just been really Flat. disappointed <laughs> a lot of the time and right now you'd be just praying to break even yeah obviously that's not how most investors deploy cash yep. into a fund like this but it's just interesting like we're at that same level every time we've hit this so from a technical analysis perspective it'll be interesting to see what happens here yeah, like, yeah. is it going to retrace or is it going to pull back and continue to rally imagine hoping to break even at the top of an all-time high Particularly I mean, in the US. That sounds like mm. 2016 Bitcoin for <laughs> <Yeah>. me. <laughs> well, you look at the, you look at the, um, when was it? If you look at the, the stats, the, the market spends 5% of its time at an all-time high. Mm. So it's that weird thing of market drawdowns where you don't realise it, but you spend, it's something insane, 60 to 65% of the time getting back to where you were. Previously, what mm. it, so you look at a point and go, well, you know, 2000 to 2010 was a terrible decade because in 2000 the Cape Ratio was 44 and, you know, we'd had a tech boom, you know, blah, 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 blah. And that's what I mean. You, that's the same what we were just talking about off air, saying, you know, 23 was great. And it's like, well, yeah, because 22 was really bad. So in actual fact, you didn't go anywhere. 
Well, it feeds into what we talk about every day, which is make sure you've got your own criteria, make sure yeah. you have your own strategy. Yeah, um, yeah. Because if you're just launching your money into the market once a year because you get a bonus, it, that's not necessarily going to work. Yeah, that's that's why I say that's why I'm a little bit sort of sceptical of experts because at this time of the year, what I've noticed over the years is people get influenced at the moment because you're on holidays, so you get a chance to read stuff. You read stuff and go, oh, you know, that sounds really plausible. I'm going to go into lithium miners or, you know, something that has caught your attention that if you were doing a nine-to-five job during the, the year, you, you haven't sort of been paying that much attention. So people then act on that. And so that's where I think it's dangerous because what you find is, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but my my feeds, social media feeds, are just absolutely full of every man and his dog and every woman and her dog making a prediction. Mm. You know, like this year it's going to be copper or this year it's going to be, you know, property's going to rise, blah, 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 blah. And it's sort of like, I mean, I was just thinking about it last night, but you think, if I said to you, I think 2024 is going to be a good year and it's going to go up 11%. Now, you have to think, well, how the hell would Steve know that? Because there's 365 days this year. He's got no idea what's going to happen tomorrow onwards, mm. right? And that's why I say you think COVID, you think the war, mm. right? All of these issues come up where the experts go, oh, nobody could have predicted it. And it's like... Okay, but why did you not acknowledge that in your original thing by saying, listen, mate, we just can't predict because, you know, we don't know what's coming. Mm-hmm. Well, but- uh, yeah, absolutely. Objectively, right now, the Cape's at, what, 32? little yep, touch yep. over 32. And climbing. Which is, yeah, batshit crazy. Uh, looking at the S&P 500 now, uh, it looks like price has just kind of bounced off that 47.50 mark. Yep, yep. Last time it was there, sort of tail end of 2021, the market continued to fall 26% over the following sort of 300 days, just looking at this now. So what we've got is a bit of a confluence, right? We're currently sitting at all-time highs for the S&P 500. Yep. We know that the Magnificent Seven, they've had a, a bit of a screamer this year. I mean, yep. Meta did over 200% in mm. 2023. Yeah, yeah. So that's all helped pull the market up. Yep. And if they're going to have a bit of a retracement, which, you know probability you'd, says they probably yeah, will doesn't mean it. they will that's just looks like a perfect storm for me to keep most of my funds in cash yeah well from a technical analysis perspective what would you want to see like a break above on like a weekly time frame and then have a think about it in all at all time highs pretty much yeah i'd, I'd let's make predictions yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not like- whatever you've listened to in the last 20 minutes forget it we're going to make predictions and we're going to be right <laughs> but but it is important because i think you get, this is why I think systematic investing is so important because it get you know you get influence and think oh okay I need to do X Y Z rather than saying hang on that's not the way I invest mm. right this is the way I invest and you know like you never hear Warren Buffett in January going you know Warren what do you think will happen for twenty twenty four because everybody knows Warren's going to tell you that it's largely irrelevant because mm. you don't invest for one year yeah I think that's really important. And I think the other thing is too, when you look at the predictions, it really matters when they're right and when they're wrong. And I that's, again, it just drives me crazy because lots of the industry is really just self-interested. 
And so they're always looking to generate fees and all of those sorts of things. And as we talk about, it's not losing money that makes you a successful investor over time. Mm. Not making a bunch one year, 2021, losing it the next year, 2022, and then making again 2023, right? That's not the way that you do it. And so I think there's a, a, a lot of recency bias, right? Oh, 23 was good. Okay, yeah, 24 will be good. Or, you know, play it safe. Oh, we'll do the, the 7 to 10. And so I think that's that's quite a that's quite influential on people and I don't know whether that's right. I think what you were saying, Tom, was much better, right? Which is, listen, dude, Cape's at 32, magnificent seven, you know, uh, bond yields are high, uh, property markets are crazy, uh, there's an enormous amount of household debt out there, we've got two world wars, we've now got a, you know, a blow up in the Red Sea, which we'll talk about in the next episode. All of those things you look at and say, gee, you know, you'd be hard-pressed to go, I'm, a, I'm all in. Yeah, well, in my mind, it, the Food by Randomness book keeps coming in. It's like, no one can tell when a Black Swan event's going yeah, to happen. Yeah. But Jesus, there's 10 things that say that there's <laughs> probably, it's probably going to happen soon or sooner rather than later. Well, it's all fragile, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, that, that stuff just on the Red Sea, you know, with the, the tankers having trouble going through, blah, blah. You just look at that and go, there's not a real asymmetry for something positive happening. Yeah. yeah. It's more likely i.e. the probability is there'll be a slip-up, they'll bomb a ship or, you know, Middle East war breaks out again or expands or something like that. And that's where I think you've got to, whilst I still think we might do all right, you've got to be cautious. Yeah. I mean, look, that being said, right, and I think we've already kind of touched on this, just because it looks like uh, it, it should probably come down doesn't mean it will. It's just yeah, yeah. front of mind for me, you know, the old saying, America sneezes, we all catch a cold. Yeah. Like, that is kind of... We all catch COVID. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, that, that's why that's usually the first place I go to look, right? Yeah. But that being said, there are also plenty of uh, undervalued markets out there. Yeah. Like emerging markets, there's a bunch of yep. really good value opportunities there. We'll be talking about those during the year. But there, there is, there is. I think the main point for me... Tom, is the asset allocation, right? Mm. How much do you put into a market that, well, China is cheap, right? China's cheap at the moment. Um, okay, so how much do you put into China if China's cheap but the US is at an all-time high? So do you, you know, do you go, oh, China's cheap, I'll whack in, you know, 80% or of your allocation, let's say it's 10 grand, right? You, do you say, oh, I'll put in 8,000 and put, keep 2,000 in cash because China's cheap? But then you've got to say, well, okay, but if the US falls, then China's going to fall too. Mm. So you've got two choices. You can either say, all right, I'm going to put in 8,000, but I'm going to watch it like a hawk and I'm going to rebalance every three months because the US is expensive and if the US starts to decline, maybe, you know, below the 200-day moving average, I'm going to change to a 50-50 or yeah. something like that. I think they're, the, they're always the questions for me, which is asset allocation and rebalancing. Risk tolerance and time in the market. Yeah, You're yeah, like, yeah. okay, the, China's cheap but the, and the US might take a tumble for a couple of years, but I'm actually doing this for 20 years. Then you might have a look at a different outlook as well. But it, in the same breath, you probably wouldn't be looking at China and the US in the same with the same lens anyway. Yeah, so. yeah, that's investing, isn't it? It's yeah. always about risk and reward. Yeah, right. And I, you know, my personal philosophy is, 
I want to buy cheap because I think there's a better chance of getting upside rather than saying Meta's had a 200% year, groovy, I'll, I'll jump in because I'm sure there's another 200 waiting there for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, uh, I don't think so. And and I, I must admit, I think we, we're right because we've proven right because that's the way the, the results show. Yeah. But it's not easy to do because, as I said, every, you know, this time of year, everybody's bombarding you with, you know, this is what's going to happen and, the, you know, you should be doing this, including people like us, right? Mm. But we're doing it systematically. So you don't go, oh, this is our system. But listen, I'd be looking at, you know, uh, NFTs or something like that because, you know, they look cheap historically and stuff. It's like, okay, I, you know, I don't get that way of doing it because – to me, it just makes investing really hard because you're all over the shop. Yeah. But the other, the other thing is, if you're going to buy a cheap market, cheap stock, whatever it is, that I guess that's why the asset allocation is so important because the chances of you buying it and that's the day that it turns around and starts to go up are low. Yeah, like it's yeah. Probably going to continue to get cheaper. <laughs> Absolutely. So there's a high percentage chance that you're going to buy this thing even if it's undervalued and you're going to see red for a while. Yep. And then you know that's where the asset allocation comes in, right? Because you just keep buying it cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Particularly, it eventually turns around. Well, that's why we talk about the risk hierarchy. Yeah, right. It's really hard to do that with a company. It's really easy to do it with a, a an index or an you know like a sectoral ETF or something, right? Because you're not buying a company that goes down for ten years and then just you know stays at fifty percent of what you bought it at. Right, ETFs are generally a lot better because you can you can dare I say it dollar cost average, or at least you know purchase it when it falls, confident that it'll most likely turn around, even if co- some companies in the ETF go broke. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, so anyway, um, now predictions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let them rip. Well, we, we were talking about emerging markets. Yeah. Like a. a I think it's a fair, we've been talking about it for a while actually now, that emerging markets have been smashed for however many years and, yeah. and people have forgotten about them. It's the, uh, the, there's a couple in there particularly that, we, that we're quietly confident on for 2024 and uh, potentially longer. And sectors. Probably the other place. Oh, come on, give us an outlier for Christ's sake. Give us something. Give us uh, I like utilities and energy. Personally. Right, okay. Yeah. Just because yeah. they, they haven't had the strongest couple of years. So Agree on that. I agree on that one. Prediction 2024. Uh, I'm not sure. What I, do you I mean think, you're not sure? Well, well, I think it's a bit... You're the I, man who's sure. I, I think it gets a bit bipolar in the sense of... And I'm going back to the, the story. I reckon we're either up 20 or down 20 or down 30 or down 40. Right. So you're going you're gonna to throw it well, half pathways. Well, because what I'm saying is it, it's the old thing. You'd be right, wouldn't you, at least? If you'd go 20, it could be 20 up or 20 down. You'd be right either way. Well, well <laughs> that's what the idea, that's the job, isn't it? <laughs> um, no, but what I mean is that I think I was saying before, there's so much more asymmetry now where or everybody shifts in and out of the same thing, right? The Magnificent Seven. Everyone piles in and... You wouldn't expect everybody to dribble out slowly, right? Everyone's going to, you know, there's going to be momentum on the downside. It's the old stuff, you know, everything has an equal and opposite reaction. So what what I'm saying is with a cape at 32, uh, bonds are expensive, property's expensive. Um, there's, you know, it's been going on for a long time. 
generally, if you you know, if you held my hand to the flame, I'd say, in the shorter term, we're probably going to do all right. Mm. I.e., twenty twenty four, but. Over the longer term, I wouldn't want to be putting a lot of money in the market starting now. Yeah. yeah now, I've yeah. got money in the market, but what I'm saying is I'm not – at the moment, I wouldn't be going, I'm going to pile into Wells 2 and 3 long term because the valuations are just not offering much there. Yeah. So, yes – I'm sitting on the fence. <laughs> and in 12 months' time, when we review this podcast, we'll go steep was right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's funny. No, I, I think I'm quietly, I'm more biased to healthcare as well. Some, I mean, I, I work in it, I'm very close to it, but I can see how people are reacting post-COVID, post the stresses, and people are, are reaching out for help in uh, the, the Grand scheme of things, uh, I just think je- healthcare in general will do pretty well. And long, but are you talking about just for twenty four or longer oh, term? Like the, well, just the next five years or so. Okay, yeah, right. people are screwed up, man. Like they need help. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was looking. Dare I say it? We will flip to the next episode. But um, the COVID uh, numbers, mate. I'm telling you, they are shocking. Yeah. They are really, really bad, but nobody's talking about it because nobody wants to talk about it. Mm. So anyway, I'll wrap it on in the next <laughs> I'll wrap it on in the next one. All right. Well, thanks for listening. As always, uh, make sure you reach out to us if there's anything in, in particular that you'd like to see us touch on in the future. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Cheers. The Total Money Management Podcast is now releasing weekly. Follow us now on this app to stay up to date. And as always, remember, we don't provide financial advice.